Just a little disclaimer before we get into things today, this episode of Lane's Locker Rooms comes with some adult themes and some explicit language. Now back over to Harrison, hope you enjoy. Welcome to the second episode of Lane's Locker Room. Today is an on-the-level special where I welcome on sportsmen and women from the beautiful county of Somerset. Today I'm joined by ex-Bama Bellator UFC and the current Valor heavyweight bare-knuckle champion fighter Mark the Hand of Godbear. It's lovely to have you on, Mark. How are you? And the British BKB TM champion. I'm there not going to have on him there because they hate, they hate the fact that I uh, beat one of their best heavyweights um, <laughs> and the BKB British B. BKB champion. So. There we go. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm really good, mate. Yeah, you? Yeah, fantastic. It's lovely to have you on here and finally like see you in that. Yeah, been a while. Now. I haven't yeah. seen you for a while. Long, long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're keeping professional. We won't go out and have a long chat about our personal life and how you get on. No, we'll leave that to the side. <laughs> All right. All right. First question I want to ask you is basically, why did you want to become a fighter? What was the whole reason behind it all? Um. So, yeah. So, so I think what I got to do with this one, I'm I'm just going to be open and honest. Um. Because there's a there's a lot of younger generation. I think that's probably in the same shoes I was at the time that I took up fighting. So basically. Um, this is how I started. Um, before, I didn't actually walk into a gym until I was 25 years old. Never stepped foot in a gym until I was 25 years old. Yeah. And it all began because on my 25th birthday, basically I got fed up. Up until about the age of 25, all I was doing was just being a waster, really. You know, if I'm going to be straight up and honest, I was just being a waster. I was drinking all the time. And um, I, I knew deep down, deep down inside me, I knew I had more to give, but I just had to find my path. And, uh, you know, I was a little bit of a rogue when I was younger, you know, I liked that spam and stuff like that. And I, and, and, and I sort of wanted to turn my negative things in my life, i.e. my drinking, my fighting and stuff like that, into something positive. Um, so, and it all began, actually, it all actually began in, in a pub. Like I said, it was my 25th birthday and I was sat in a pub and um, I was watching UFC on the TV. Yeah. And when I was watching UFC, like, I was so passionate about that sport at the time. I was looking up at the TV screen and I was in the pub. I was like looking at the TV screen. I was watching it. And I can remember I was just sat there with my friends and I went, I'm going to fucking do that. Sorry, I, don't mean to I was like, I'm going to do that. And... Um, one of my friends that was with me, actually, my two of them that was with me, they all laughed at me. They yeah. laughed in my face yeah. and they said to me, you won't do that. And I went, why not? And one of them who was an ex-boxer himself, he actually turned around and said to me, you haven't got the dedication to do that, Mark. And that was, that was actually my drive. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to show you. I've got the dedication. I've just said to you, I'm going to do that, i.e. I'm going to get into the UFC. And uh, that was my drive. Twenty-five On my 25th birthday, sat in a pub, 
Um, and basically someone told me that I couldn't do it. So I decided to sort my head out. Get Literally the following week, I went down to um, a, a real respected local um, martial arts expert, Arthur Meek. I yeah. went down to him and, um, I, and that's where I began. And then from there, I sort of, I swapped one addiction, i.e. my drinking and stuff, um, for another. So I basically I swapped the negative things in my life for a positive thing, and that was my fighting. Like you know, a lot of people look at fighting as a brute sport, and like, like I look at it as something that actually saved me from going down the wrong path, and, and that's yeah, I, it was something that was always inside of me, something I always wanted to do, but through. You know, like I said, being young and stupid and drinking and stuff that I'd never actually done it until the point where I decided enough was enough. And I just wanted to prove to everyone that you can do anything if you put your mind to do it. Do you think that if your mates hadn't been negative towards you and been like, oh, you can't do it, do you reckon you still would have gone on? To become, to oh be a yeah, hundred percent. Like I said, I, I I always had it in me. I like when I, like, I, I remember I was a fanatic UFC fan, and at the time it was sort of like the Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, Tito Ortiz era, you know. So it was when the UFC was sort of just coming into the mainstream sport. It was like when people was like, oh my god, what is this? This is like you know, and it was becoming like a real big mainstream sport. So, um, yeah, 100% I would have, yeah, but that was just, that was the initial, the final straw, the final kick up the ass is when people, it was sort of a bit like a realisation that people actually thought that I couldn't achieve anything because of, uh, you know, what, what, um, what, I couldn't achieve anything because of what they, they said. So, you said you obviously started then at All or Nothing with Arthur. I mean, I, yeah. I know he's a very well-respected man in, in kickboxing, boxing, karate, whatever. He's martial arts. He is the man in where we're, like, in Taunton and Bridgewater area in Somerset. He's yeah. very well-respected. Do you dedicate a lot to where you've got in your career to him? Off the back of, yeah, of course I do, yeah. Obviously, uh, this was many, many years ago. We have gone our own separate ways. I've just gone his, I've gone mine. But do you know what? Um... Yeah, I owe a lot of, like, Arthur was the one that got me to the UFC, you know? Um, yeah, 100%, I, I 100% respect him, you know, and uh, uh, we became very close. And uh, uh, as a coach, I personally think that he is one of the best in the UK, you know? But Arthur's very good as a coach. It's one of those things where um, coaching isn't just about, um, you know, teaching someone how to do a certain technique correct and all this sort of that. The very good coaches are the ones that are able to adapt to each individual person. Arthur was very good at that. Arthur was very good at adapting to my mindset. He knew, you know, he knew I had a different mindset. He knew... Um, how to coach me? He knew how to bring out the best of me, and he and he certainly did. And I owe him that. I, I really do owe him that. Brilliant. I do. Yeah. yeah. I've obviously I've seen your career from the start to finish, just looking online and knowing you personally. It just it's brilliant seeing where you where you started, just doing like local shows. And I mean, you fought yeah. on you fought on literally the biggest stage in martial arts. You fought at the UFC. What? Yeah, I fought. 
Sorry, come on. What is the biggest like success in your career? Is it having your debut or is it fighting it for different promotions? I've, do you know what? Um, so over the years, uh, like now, obviously the UFC was my goal. It took me after that first time of uh, being uh, so for some five years ago, 32, 25. So it took me um, from that first day on my 25th birthday where I said I was going to get into the UFC. It took me eight years of dedication before yeah. I finally got UFC. And that was, once I got into the UFC, it was actually like, I've achieved this goal. Now I need to do other goals, you know? Yeah. Um, so as far as being, yeah, probably, I wouldn't say it was one of my biggest goals. Um, my biggest goals was actually where I'm at now. My whole career was my biggest goal. You know, not just the UFC, but everything I've done leading up to it. Bama, you know, being the Bama World Heavyweight Champion and then moving on to the UFC and then what I've done afterwards, etc., etc. Um, yeah, I've had, uh, like, now I'm um, I would say I was known now as a prize fighter, you know. I, I've, I've got to the point where uh, in my career I've learned so many different disciplines, i.e. boxing, kickboxing, uh, jiu-jitsu. I've learned so many different disciplines. Um, now I'm known as a prize fighter because I will literally fight. I, I, I don't like to sound big headed, but I will literally fight any guy on the planet. Yeah. And I really would fight any guy on the planet in any Discipline, whereas you've shown it be boxing, you've shown kickboxing, that in your career, like I mean, MMA. What in one night? Like, in one night, you knocked out two blokes doing bare knuckles. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. think many people can say they've done that, and it was two brilliant fighters themselves, and you just made them look like nothing. It was, yeah, two of the. This is the thing. Um, so I got to a point in the UFC where, when I got to my UFC career, it sort of went. After my UFC, it was like I achieved what I wanted to get to. And it's a bit stupid, really, because I should have set extra goals to try and become the champion, etc., etc., etc. But I, I sort of went flat. I dedicated so much time to getting to where I got to. After sort of 10 years, it, I sort of went flat. So I needed a new drive. I needed a new goal. And then after that... Um, I was offered a, a fight on a, a company. It's the biggest British. It's now like like the early stages of UFC, bare knuckle boxing. It's now becoming a real mainstream sport now, yeah. just like the UFC was back in the day. So I got offered a fight for um, uh, a company called BKBTM in the UK, and the fight they offered me was straight. Obviously, because of my resume and stuff, um, they offered me the fight against a guy called Mickey Parker, who was then back then. Uh, a couple of years ago was probably the most experienced and best heavyweight in bare knuckle boxing. Yeah. So they offered me a British championship fight against him. I took the fight and I won the fight. Um, I learned a hell of a lot from that fight. Yeah. It was a different ball game. But from off the back of that, so uh, off the back of that, obviously being the British champion and this sport now becoming a huge um, global uh what's the right word, a huge global um, sport now. That, that's just like the early days of UFCs. People said, this ain't going to go nowhere. It's too brutal. Yeah. It's too this. Now, Bernaka Boxing is becoming the the mainstream new UFC, you it's know? And uh, I, was offered, I was offered a fight with, uh, with Valor. 
And this fight in Balor, it was a four-man heavyweight tournament. And the four guys in there was myself, uh, a guy called Jack May, uh, UFC Bellator vet, uh, glory kickboxing vet, one of the best strikers on the planet. Another guy, Mighty Mo, yeah. again, another one of the best strikers on the planet, best one of the best kickboxers of all time. Um, the other one was Sokuju. So, uh, you know, again, one of the best names in combat sports of all time, a pride veteran, you know, like, and uh, so the first draw I got was against Jack May. Um, I went in there, and I think after my first bare-knuckle boxing fight, what I actually did, I knew Mickey Parker was a really tough guy, so I went in there a bit hasty, and I knew I could beat him with just boxing and not trying to go for a knockout. But I ended up walking out of that fight with a head like a watermelon, literally. Yeah. Like, and then I, it made me realise this is different. This sport is different. It's either kill or be killed. So I took that mentality going into the Valor tournament. Um, I, I managed to... Uh, I knocked Jack May out within, I think, believe, within the first minute of the first round. Yeah. That was my actual game plan. My game plan was my coach, because it was two fights in one night, and bare knuckle, I knew if I took too much damage, there's a possibility I won't be able to get to the second fight. So my game plan was to go in there and uh, knock Jack May out as quick as I could, and I did. And then off the back of that, I got Mighty Mo. And then me and Mighty Mo done a second fight, second night. He had his second fight. I had my second fight. And then I ended up finishing Mighty Mo in the first round as well. And it, like, declared me um, not only uh, the Battle Heavyweight Tournament, but also uh, the Police Gazette, which is the Police Gazette belt, which is the oldest boxing belt in boxing history. Yeah. It was at the last done by Joe um, John Sullivan. Uh, and now it put me as number one contender for that belt as well. So, and, and then so my career's moved on off the back waiting, of that. Yeah. You're still waiting for that fight, right? You you want to fight for that belt? Yeah. So so now the guy that so now I'm currently signed with a company called BKFC, which is a huge huge company now. They're like the new form of the UFC, basically, uh, but in a different field, i.e., bare knuckle boxing. And now. Um, so I'm I am ranked number one police gazette contender for that belt. I'm Joey Beltran owns that belt along with a BKFC heavyweight belt. So um, I've now signed with BKFC, obviously with the COVID issues and stuff, and uh, you know my last run in and stuff, and I had to pull out my last fight and stuff. Uh, I've been put back a little bit, rightfully so, because there's other contenders coming up through and stuff. But um, I'm now hoping to fight in April over in the United States. Um, um, my opponent will be released this Monday, I believe, um, nice. from what I've heard from my uh, from the promoter. So, yeah, it's, it's things is uh, things are finally moving again after all this COVID crap. I was going to ask you about that because obviously you were meant to fight Sam Shoemaker, weren't you? So yeah, how obviously I know COVID affected you. How badly were you affected by COVID? So it is COVID. So for, for those that don't know, um, so I, I literally, I travelled from, uh, all out of my own pocket, I travelled from, uh, obviously I signed with BKFC and when I signed with them, I was, uh, COVID kicked in. So I was originally meant to fight directly for the, the belt against Joey Beltran and then obviously COVID kicked in that put a hope to it blah 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 then they rescheduled it and I was trying to get in and then I couldn't get in so I had two uh, title shots 
blown out of the water because of the COVID. Then finally, obviously, because in America, BKFC was still carrying on, so other fighters were still fighting, etc. So then other people got the shot before me, rightfully so, they can't hold up a belt yeah. off the back of me getting in and out of the country. But then I finally found a way in, and the way I, f- I found in was I had to go to Dubai. I had to quarantine for 14 days in Dubai. Once I've done my quarantine in Dubai, I was eligible to fly from Dubai to the United States with the re- relevant, you know, negative COVID tests, etc. So I did that. I actually did that. And then, so I spent two weeks in Dubai. Uh, and then I was in the United States for further eight weeks. I've done another six weeks of training in um, Las Vegas. And then literally two weeks before um, I was due to fight, I contracted COVID, COVID-19. And um, it... It was really weird. It hit me for six, really hit me for six. After about 10 days of literally being lying in bed and I was adamant I was going to fight. I was like, I'm going to shake this shit off. I'm going to shake it off. Once I've shook it off, I'm going to get in there and fight no matter what. I've come this far, spent so much of my own money to get here. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna get this fight. I'm going to fight. And then literally the last couple of days of, like you know, just before the fight, um, I was so fucking ill, Harry. I was so ill. Um, I ended up in uh, I ended up in hospital. Then my friends were really concerned. They made me go to hospital. I went to hospital, done all the X-rays and yeah. the scan stuff, and I actually had double ammonia on my lungs. Something. Um, I ended up contracting double ammonia off the back of COVID nineteen, and and that was it. Then as soon as they said I had ammonia, I was straight on the phone to my promoter, David Feldman. I was like, look, I'm out. There's no way I can fight, I can't breathe, I can't. Um, but off the back of that, literally, I couldn't train. I couldn't do nothing for two and a half months. I've, I'm just back to full health now, so I'm just starting now my new camp, ready for my next fight. Um, but, yeah, literally messed me up, messed me up. And, and, and I'm not going to lie, um, I know a lot of people are sceptical on the COVID situation and how they're dealing with it and stuff like that. All that aside, um, I was one of them as well, by the way. All that aside, uh, you know, it it, 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 well, it is real and it did mess me up. It yeah. really messed me and up. Especially seeing was... you're like a fit athlete as well. You probably thought in your mindset, oh, I'm not going to get it. I'm, I'm fit. I'm working out. I'm active. And you must just feel yeah, oh, free from it. This is, yeah, this is the thing that... Um, you know, for all those sports scientists and that out there, they know this, but a lot of people don't get this. When you're sort of an elite athlete, when you're when when I'm fight fit, I'm at a very fine line when I'm fight fit of being very ill and very fit. Because yeah. what you've done is you've pushed your body that much and that hard. You've pushed your body that much and that hard that you basically, um, you know. Your body's that run down, and your body's constantly in a state of repair when you're training that hard. So any little thing like a cold or the flu or something like that, if it, if you catch it just before a fight or something, it normally hits you for six because you haven't got the energy or the um, you know the you haven't got the you haven't got the um, the oh, what's the right word? But you you haven't you haven't got the energy and stuff to, to repair your body, you know. So you catch it and it ends up hitting you for six. Yeah. So. Although you're really you're fond of a lot of these elite athletes, even though they're really fit and they can run a marathon or something like that, you'll find that a lot of them, when they're at that peak level of fitness, if they do get a cold or something like that, it really hits them for six. So um, 
but the other thing with it is uh, my friend who was actually fighting on the same card, Tyler Goodjob, he, he contracted it as well because we were sharing an apartment together, but he never had no symptoms whatsoever, none. Yeah. Like, I just lost a bit of his taste and smell. And he actually ended up getting a negative test before he fought and, and was able to fight. So, um, yeah, it's a strange thing, mate. Strange thing. Really strange. I think that's what I've got yeah. to move on to, actually. I was I was going to ask you about your relationship with, with Tyler. I've, I saw it all over Instagram, YouTube, like, proper bromance. I'm assuming, did you know much about him? <laughs> did you know much about him before he before you met him? No, no, obviously I knew who he was. I, I fought the same shows and stuff as him before. I know he's a really talented boxer, but I didn't really know him. Um, so see, me, it's, it's weird with me and Tyler. Uh, Tyler's sort of like, personality-wise, what you see on the on the internet, what you see with me, we're like two completely different people. Yeah. He's got his, he's got his personality, he's got his, um, you know, persona, I've got my persona on that, but like, um, apart from that, we, we get each other, you know, I get his head, he gets my head, and a lot of the things you see over social media and stuff like this isn't the person you see in real life, you know, um, so, yeah, yeah, Tyler's a good guy, I've got nothing but respect for him, nothing but respect, you know, I know he's, at the whole time, obviously, we're spending a couple of months basically living with him, um, I got to know him really well. I got to know him as a person rather than Tyler Goodjohn, the fighter, or, you know, Tyler Goodjohn or whatever, you know. So I got to know him as a person, and he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I'm always going to back him. I'm always going to stand by him. And he's British as well. So when we're the only two Brits in America, like, who else have we got? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair enough, yeah. Must just have been, must just been fun having someone else just alongside you all the way through. And, I mean, especially when you were ill. Just having that extra person there, because obviously I know you would have been away from your your family for so long because you got your daughters and that. So just having someone there must have helped a lot. Oh yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely, like, like you know, I don't care how big and how hard you're meant to be. You know yourself. You know when when you're ill, you're ill. Like it's nice to have someone there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's nice to have someone there. So. Um, to him, he stood by me the whole way through, you know, to the point where I was so bad, I actually told him to go and rent another room. I said, look, you've got a chance to fight here. Go and rent another room. And he was like really dubious. I can't do that. I can't do that. I said, look, if you contract what I've got or like if yours gets worse symptoms, you don't want to be like me because there's no way you're going to fight. Um, but he stood by me the whole way through, made sure I was all right checked in on me constantly yeah good guy so i owe it i owe him i owe a lot to tyler he's, he's like and even now to this day like since then we, we phone each other every day we talk to each other we have the crack you know like i said he's got his own personality he's got some persona i've got mine but um there's a click there there's still a click there between us both you know I, I, I do I do generally like him as a person because I got to know the real Tyler you know not a lot of people do so I think it's the same with all of us you know what social media can do it can social media and stuff can you know it can really um, put up this false persona of a person yeah. but like then how many times have you you know, you've judged someone off the back of their media and stuff like that. And when you see them in real life, you're sort of like, you're, not, you're nothing like that, really. You know what I mean? So, 
but that's a fight business as well, mate. You know, you've got to have a character, and whether you take the good guy role or the bad guy role, like you know, whatever sells tickets, sells tickets. So yeah. that's business. That's the that's the business side of fighting as well. You mentioned um, like training in Vegas, and I presume you did a little bit in Dubai. Like over the over the years, your yeah. whole career, where's like the the best place you've ever trained? I love Thailand. Yeah. Thailand is my second home. Everyone that knows me knows. Thailand's my second home. I absolutely love it. It is the fighter's paradise. Like in Phuket, in Thailand, like there's a whole street about two miles long. This whole street, Soy Thailand, is completely dedicated to athletes. Oh, all the way along that street, you've got someone. You've got the best Muay Thai gyms, the best MMA gyms in the world. You've got Phuket Top Team who sponsors me. Um, big shout out to Boyd Clark and the Phuket Top Team crew. And then you've got like Tiger Muay Thai up the road. You've got all of these uh, Unit Twenty Seven, the biggest one of the biggest CrossFit gyms in the world. All of these gyms are in one road. And then you've got the restaurants and stuff that cater for fighters meal plans, diet plans, like, and it's just a fighter's paradise, and then off the back of that, you've just got the weather, like, you've got, drive up the road on your moped, and, and you've got the nicest beaches in the world, so you can train all day, and then just relax on the beach, and just watch the sunset, and that, like, like, for my mind, and, and, you know, for my mind and stability, Thailand has got to be the best place ever, like, it really has, I, I love it, I love it, I would, you know, obviously, I've, I've got commitments here with my girls and stuff like that, but um, eventually I can see myself living there full-time. I, I love the place. The thing I love most about Thailand is um, see all the Thai people. A lot of them have got nothing, Harry. You know, a lot of them have got nothing. But do you know what? They're always smiling and they always bend over backwards to help you. you yeah. know? Just the culture, the people... Like, when I'm there, I feel like I, I just feel at ease. Literally, as soon as I step off the plane onto Thailand's ground, I'm like, oh, just all my stress and everyday life, all my worries, everything just disappear. I, mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm assuming you train. You would train there every camp if you could then? Yeah, I pretty much have for the last not knows how many years. But yeah, I would. Yeah, obviously with this pandemic and stuff, I haven't been able to get back there. But yeah, hundred percent, yeah. And that's the thing with with fighting as well, Harry. Is when you're fighting, you have to switch off. It's a very selfish sport, very very selfish sport. I.e., for those eight weeks of preparation before a fight, the only thing you can think about is that fight. Yeah. You have to block out everything, everyday life, everyday, um, you know, like. Like your private life, your kids, everything. I know it sounds selfish, but I have to block out my kids, my private life, everything. Because I'm, I'm not, I'm at the point in my career now where I'm not stepping in against someone that's, you know, trains once a week or like going, going in for an amateur fight. I'm fighting the best guys in the world. And if I don't train like the best guys in the world, I'm going to get hurt. So I have to, for those eight weeks, I just have to switch off. I have to take myself away. I'm no different from anyone. I like a beer. You know, I like having a crack with my mate. I like going down to the pub with my mates, having a few beers, blah, 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 blah. But I also know, as much as I love my mates, and my friends are good friends because they're the ones that actually tell me, listen, you've got a fight coming up. You can't hang around with us. Yeah, makes I have sense. to switch off and go and, you know, so uh, my friends understand and, and they actually encourage me. You know, that's what real friends do. So I've learned that over the years as well. You know, a lot of friends that I've had hanger-ons, 
and just stick by me because of what I do or who I am, etc. But now I've got a circle of friends that are literally like, listen, you need them away from us, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, we ain't no good for you when you're training for a fight, so I'll see you in eight weeks, you know? Yeah, it's good. I'm assuming then, out in Thailand and anywhere else, you've trained with some big fighters then. Is there, who's the, who's your best ever training partner or the best person you've ever trained with, ever? Oh, that's, yeah, so I was, uh, at one point, I was I was sponsored by a team called Fairtex. I don't know if you know, everyone's probably, anyone in the fight world knows who Fairtex are. The family, the family Fairtex, yeah. which is they're one of the biggest uh, brands uh, in the Muay Thai industry in the world, uh, in the fight industry in the world, actually. And, and I was actually uh, full-time sponsored by uh, Fairtex fight team. So I was out in Patea with Vertex, and then all of a sudden I'm sat down on my bed one day, and I got a message come through, and it was like, "Hey, Godbeer," I said, "You know, to do it another." Hey, Godbeer, what are you doing? Are you in Thailand? And I was like, "Yeah, why?" He's like, "I'm coming. I'm bringing my all my coaches. I'm bringing my training partners. I'm bringing my whole team with me. Have you got a fight coming up?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "Okay, we're gonna come out and help you prepare." And I was like. And it was um, Alistair Overing. Oh, wow. About, yeah. yeah, so literally, like, it's like, and I was like, it, it was like a bit of a surreal moment. So, like, someone I've watched, I say as a kid, but, you know, I did, I, he's pretty much the same age as me, but because I didn't start it for so long, it was someone I've watched for many yeah. years before I started. Yeah. And I was like, I got off the phone and I was like, Fucking hell, how, how surreal is that? Well, it's one of the greatest fighters like, ever, isn't he? I've just had, like, literally, pretty much the biggest named heavyweight on the planet just message me <laughs> like it was just like an everyday thing and say, hey, God, be here. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Are you in Thailand? I was like, yeah. Yeah, okay. But, like, literally, brought, not just him, but brought his whole team with him as well. You must have thought, um, like... Yeah, I owe him for that. You must have thought, like, like there's got to be someone pulling your leg here at first. I'm assuming you didn't believe it straight away, or? No, like, do you know what, Al? My life's been a funny old life. <laughs> like, off the back of what I did, off the back of all the effort I put into something, I've reached, this is the other thing with the fight world, so off the back of what I've done and, you know, what I did, I've reached to the top pools, top pool of the fight world. You know, I was ranked number one in the UK for a long time. I'm, I'm ranked number one uh, Police Gazette bare knuckle boxer underneath the champion Joey Beltran. But, you know, I, I've achieved all of this stuff. So at first, yeah, it was a bit surreal. But then sometimes you have to look back on what, you're at, what you've actually done and what you've achieved. And, this, and then you start realising this ain't surreal. But I've fucking worked my ass off for this. Yeah. But, you know, these guys now that are messaging me, they're messaging me because of what I've did, because of what I've achieved, because of what I'm doing, you know? And, um, yeah, it, yeah, so, you know, it, it is a, it's a strange, strange world. And the other thing is with the fight world as well, you know, the fight world, when you get to a certain level in the fight world, it's a very small community. Even though they call it the fight world, once you get to the top fields of fighting, it's a very small community. Everyone knows everyone, you know? It's a bit like getting to the Premiership in football. If you got to the Premiership League in football, everyone knows everyone in the Premiership League. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's a similar similar sort of uh, 
programmed to that, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah, I could, I could, uh, I could tell you some fucking cracking stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you obviously working with um, Alistair Overeem. Who, who was your idol? Who was your fighting idol when you were growing up? Then, oh, it had to be like the likes of Chuck Liddell and um, Dan Henderson. They were my two favorite fighters growing up. Yeah. Did you well, have... and, and obviously Mike Tyson as well, you yeah. know. You got to meet uh, Mike Tyson, I'm, I'm right in saying. Yeah, in the end, you have met him. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was another funny story. So I was fighting in, uh, on the UFC. It, I believe it was UFC 209. I fought Dan Spitz. It was in Las Vegas. Yeah. And it was funny. Um, this, this is another, like, this is another thing. You know, this crazy fucking story, really. So, uh... And, and and about ten of my friends all come with, all come to watch me. You know, my my good friends, they all come to watch me, and, and my coach as well, Dean Lewis, etc., um, boxing coach, and all of these guys are like avid um, Mike Tyson fans. And Mike Tyson was actually doing a signing in one of the malls in like the sports memorabilia shop in Las Vegas. And we were walking through, and they were all going, oh, we want to meet Mike Tyson, like, we get a picture and a uh, signature off of him, yeah. etc. And I was like, oh, I ain't fucking went back. The queue was literally, honestly, mate, the queue, I reckon, was about 150 meters long for this. I was like, I ain't waiting in that. Like, and, I, and I literally, I walked past the shop. This is no joke. As I was walking past the shop, uh, I walked past, and the guy who was um, who, the shop owner, he went, uh, Mark, Mark, come here, call me over. I'm sure as I'm studying. Call me over, Mark, come here. He said, yeah, he said, uh, Mike's just spotted you, because, like, Mike was a big UFC fan, isn't he? Big UFC fan. Yeah. He's like, what, Dana Wilder, Dana Wilder's a good friend. And uh, he said, Mike's just spotted you. He said, he said, you're fighting this weekend, didn't you? I said, yeah, 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 I'm fighting that. Like, obviously, in the team over in Las Vegas. I was like, yeah, I am, yeah, but I've got a fight this week. He said, uh, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, Mike wants to meet you. And I was like, this is about 150 meters long, no joke. And I literally just walked past because I'm like, I ain't fucking queuing in that, you know what I mean? And like, as we got to the front of the queue, got called in, like got recognised, and then they called us in. And then, uh, uh, so I, I thought, like, you know, I'm I walked in Mike Tyson and I sat in this room and Mike Tyson just sat there having a chat with him, shaking his hand, how you doing, Mike? Blah, 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 blah. And it was all, you know, just like a normal everyday thing. Oh, yeah. Mike, how you doing, Mike? Blah, blah, blah. Good luck this weekend. I turned around like this and all 10 of my mates, like, you could, you could see on my Facebook, there's a picture on there, but all 10 of my mates that were with me, they all stood behind me. So as I, as I walked in, like, yeah. All of these guys that I was with that wanted a picture to queue up and pay like seventy dollars or whatever it was, um, they've come. They walked in behind me with me, so I took the whole entourage with me. And, and, I, and it, was, it was again another one of those surreal moments. That, That's crazy um, to be rec- for you to, for yeah, you to yeah. be recognised by Mike Tyson, like not the other way around. Just proved how big of a fighter you became when you hit the UFC. That is, uh, it's crazy to think that you were recognised by him. Yeah, if, if you think about it, what you said, there's maybe 400 fighters in the UFC, and if you think about it, those 400 fighters are the 400 of the best fighters in the world. If you think about it like that, it's, that's that's how it goes. UFC is the premiership, the premiership of fighting, like the premiership of football. You know, you can't get no bigger league. And yeah, we were the top top 400 fighters in the world get to the UFC. 
and I was in the UFC, so you think out of 7.5 billion people in the world, to be one of 400 to be classed or recognised as one of the best in the world is, uh, yeah, I was ranked, like I said, I was ranked one of the UK for a long time in MMA, obviously I've moved on from MMA now. Yeah, surreal really, mate. You know, mm. even like talking to you about it now, I don't, I try and stay as humble as I can, I really do, you know. But like when I talk about it and that, it's like, I still look back at it and think, what the fuck? <laughs> like I was just some fucking small kid from little town of Bridgewater that just decided he was going to fight and fucking have determination to do something with my life. And the next one, you know, my life just fucking turned around. You know, my life just went from little mark from here to like fighting in Las Vegas in front of 20,000 people up here. Yeah, it's fucking surreal, mate. It's really surreal. And like, I'm uh, looking at your UFC record. Yeah, you you went two and two, didn't you? But you do hold yeah. a win over like one of the number 15 ranked UFC contenders right now. I'll, I'll bite by disqualification, but you do hold a win over yeah. Walt Harris, don't you? Yeah, mate, I don't class that as a win. No, the, no. The, do you know what? It was doomed from the start, that fight. So UFC, I believe it was 216. So this is another mad fucking story. Imagine this. So UFC 216, um, I was fighting Walt Harris on, on the undercard in, uh, in Las Vegas again. And um, literally what happened is Derek... Lewis was fighting Fabricio Badu as yeah. the main event. Yeah. So then, literally, I'm, I'm like, you know, imagine I'm trained for like eight weeks, I'm ready to go. But then I get this, you know, the guys walking in like, 15 minutes, Mark, you're on. I'm like, fucking hell, here we go, taking the gloves out, I'm ready to go, pumped up, just fucking do this, you know, pumped up, ready to go. Then all of a sudden, it's like, Mark, take your gloves off. I'm like, what? They're like, uh, there's been a change. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, literally, Derek Lewis pulled his back out whilst warming up for the main event. Wow. Pulled his back out. And I was like, they said, you're no longer uh, on the undercard. You're fighting Fabricio Verdun. I said, what? He <laughs> said, yeah, your main event, you're fighting Fabricio Verdun. I'm like, I'm just gone. It's my second fight in the UFC. I'm like, what the fuck? Fighting event. Like, 10 minutes ago, I was just going out to fight. Now I've got to take my gloves off, wait a couple of hours to the main event. I'm like, what the fuck? Took my gloves off. Next minute, you know. From that, you imagine that. From warming up to a fight, then all of a sudden, our main event, yeah. the fight gets started up, and I'm like, fuck it, my head's like all over the shop. And then with that, um, like, they walk back in 10 minutes later and said, we're really sorry, Mark. We're really, really sorry. And I was like, what? They're like, so Fabricio Verdun, like, I don't, I, don't want, I, don't want, I, would, I wouldn't say he didn't want to fight me, but he seen Walt Harris as a better competitor because Walt Harris had more fights in the UFC than what I did, you know? Yeah. So he said, we're going to have to put, like, Walt Harris, who was my original opponent, in with Fabricio Verdun. So then I was like, so what happens? And I'm not fighting. I'm like, Sorry, I was like, fuck. I spent like two months training my ass off, went from prelims to main event to nothing. I was like, fucking, ah. Oh. That's mental. Yeah, that. and then, but anyway, so what happened? Walt Harris fought uh, 
Burnham, um, well, went on and lost. He lost against Burnham against um, for uh, he got submitted really early in the fight. Um, with that, they come back in and I, I said, look, considering he's took no damage and he got submitted early, can I fight him on uh, in Madison Square Gardens? It was in New York. And they were like, yeah, we'll put that fight on. Like, we owe that to you, Mark. Like, you know, this is the first time this has ever happened to you. We've had to, you know, these things happen in the fight game. Yeah. UFC had to adjust quick within, like, you know, they're like, so they've adjusted things really quick. Um, and anyway, a month later, I was in New York fighting Walt Harris. And we had to fight the first round. was okay. Stood up. Walt took me down. He was. He got me on my back. I was fine. He couldn't do nothing on my back. I was. I had him. You know. I had what you call an overhook. Overhook here. Risk control. He's got me on my back. And I'm literally whispering to him. What are you gonna do, Walt? What are you gonna do, Walt? You can't do nothing, Walt. What are you gonna do? He stood up. I stood up. With that, uh, we've got we've got into a clinch. Uh, and I don't think it, it wasn't intentional. These things happen. Yeah. They, they really do happen. But these things happen. Uh, Walt Harris clinched me. Um, with that, um, I got need a full bore in the bollocks. You know. Yeah. And as I'm, I'm like the referee spotted it, I'm, I'm, I'm literally I'm bent over like this. I can put my hand out as if to say, "Whoa, stop being bowed in the bollocks." As I put my hand out, the referee went to jump in to stop it. Walt Harris. And I don't. I believe he he didn't do it on purpose. It was just the heat of the moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? The heat of the moment. You know when you're in that fight or flight mode. He literally pushed the referee out of the way and threw it. Whilst I was bent over holding my bollocks, kicked me straight in the head. Boom. Like that, that, that. I was with that head kick. I was I was fucking out of it. Um, they pulled me up against the cage. They said, "They said, you all right, mate?" I said, "Look, I'm fucking dazed. Give me time to recover. I'll be okay." Give me time to recover, and they were like, "No, referee's like, no, 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 that's a clean disqualification," and and they disqualified him. Would you? And would like, you have carried on? Would you have carried on if they didn't disqualify him? Uh, with who? Would you? Would do you think you could have carried on yourself if they didn't disqualify yeah, him? Yeah, but this, this is what people don't understand. See, because I, I got so much stick for it. The thing is, with fans, fans are very fickle. Yeah. When you're on top, right, when you're winning, everyone's your fucking best, mate. Everyone's like, yeah, he's the next one. Like, you know, same with, like, Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades, one of the nicest heavyweights you'd meet. I've met him personally. He spoke to me actually after this disqualification and said, listen, it happens, like, you know, because I was like, I didn't want to fucking take a win of a disqualification. I do not class that as a win on my record. Anyway, with that, like... Like likes Curtis Blades this weekend. Curtis Blades one of the nicest heavyweights of me. One of the hardest, best heavyweights in the world. He got knocked out cold this weekend by mm. Derek Lewis, and that could happen to any one of us that are weight, but like two hundred and sixty pounds. The, the, the shit I've seen online, the memes, the trolling. These people are fucking horrible, yeah. and they don't realise that us fighters are some of the most emotional people on the planet. We deal with bad demons, you know. This is why a lot of us fight. You know, we a lot of us suffer with mental health. A lot of us suffer with this, suffer with that. Whereas a lot of people, for us, fighting is our outlet. Fighting is is what we use to deal with everyday life, to deal with our mental health, to deal with our social anxiety. Imagine getting knocked out cold and then having fucking trolls that wouldn't even step foot into our world. Wouldn't even, um, 
wouldn't even, like, they wouldn't even walk into a fucking gym, let alone step foot into a UFC cage where you're competing against the best in the world with millions yeah. of viewers around the world. I've seen it. Now, I've these seen guys that. are horrible. And that's what happened with me with this one out like that. And people start giving me shit. I was like, listen, I got fucking need cleaning the bollocks and then head kick straight in the head. And then the, the fight got stopped. He got disqualified. It's out of my hand. What do you expect me to do? Say, oh, no, it's all right. Well, um, I I know it was by an accident, but, you know, let's just let you beat my head in even further after you fouled me, not once, but twice. Like, nah, like, honest, honestly, that's another thing as well. The more successful you are, the matter, I think it just goes from all walks of life. The more successful you are in life, the more um, the more people want to see you fail. Yeah, I know that yeah. sounds silly, but from my experiences, it's truth. They love people to see. They love to, to see. Fail, they love to know? see people fail. Like uh, you see it all the time. Like you said about Curtis Blades, his phone number got leaked, and he's had. The same guy ringing him and ringing him and ringing him. There he sat there with his kids and his wife. And just... it's disgusting. And you could see it in his face. Like there was one video, right? And he sat there with his hands on his face and said, Oh, fuck, I don't need this. And you could see the guys going through mental struggles. This is what people don't understand with the mental health side of fighting, yeah? Fighting is a very bipolar environment. You're either up here on top of the fucking world, or you're down here, there's no in-between. And when you're down here, right, that's when you realise who's real and who's not. And I've learned that over the years. I've, I've, I've really realised who's real and who's not. And, um, but that troll, oh, and, then, and then, do you know what makes me, really pisses me off, Harry, with stuff like, you can see I'm getting angry with it yeah, now, yeah. is, these trolls troll you like they do. They get so personal with you, and then as soon as you react, because you're supposed to be the, um, you know, you're supposed to be the role model of society. What, why am I the role model? Because I beat fuck out of people for a living. That's that's the truth of the matter. I beat the hell out of people for a living, and because I'm good at it, now I'm a role model. Yeah. People look at me like I'm I'm this role model. And then all of a sudden, I get trolled by trolls that get really personal. They bring up, I've, I've had it where they brought up my kids, they brought up my family, they brought up this, they bring up that. And then when I react to it, I'm the one in the wrong. Yeah. You're the one in the wrong because you're supposed to be a professional. You're supposed to be this. Supposed to, but what people don't understand is, like I said, the mental aspect that goes with it. When you're down, you're down. When you're up, you're up. But you, what you find is when you're up, everyone's a friend. When you're down here, no one's your friend. You know, I had it. Here, here's an example. My, my last UFC fight, I didn't really have a good camp. Um, you know, I had, um, I had, uh, I had personal issues with my ex-wife and stuff like that at the time and everything. And uh, I really didn't have a good camp. I really didn't. And then uh, I can remember going into my last fight, I, I just didn't even want to be there, mate. And when you've got that mentality going into a fight, it's the worst mentality you can have. I just didn't want to be there. Anyway, I lost the fight. It was on the 21st of November, 2017. I always remember it because before that fight, my inbox was full, I'm not joking, of about 500 people. Good luck, Mark. Well done. Come on, you can do this for the UK. Good luck, Mark. Good luck. 
good luck, Mark. Do you know what? 22nd of November was my birthday. The day afterwards, I lost that fight. 22nd of November, I lost that fight. Guess what? For those 500 messages I had the night before, good luck, Mark. You're representing Bridgewater. You're representing the UK. The next day was my birthday. Guess what? No. Guess where I was to? By yourself. Sat in Weatherspoons on my own. Yeah. On my yeah. own, drinking a pint on my own. That's how fickle people can be. I know it sounds a bit horrible, but like this is but this is something I've I've, I've dealt with now. I've learned how to deal with it. I've I've, I've finally realised, you know, all of this world. It's a false world, and all of those that mean something to you, hold them fucking tight. Hold those people tight. Don't mess those people around that are close to you because you think you're bigger or better because life has a way of biting you in the ass and bringing you back down to earth. And it happened to me, you know. I got I got, I got, got above my station, thought I was better. I think, you know, I, I was a little guy from Bridgewater. Uh, I had... I had nothing, and then all of a sudden I had everything, and life had its way of fucking humbling me again. And it was yeah. probably, from that day onwards, that last UFC win, that loss, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me, because I realised what was real and what wasn't in life, you know? Fair enough. That leads me to like the, the last thing to ask you. What advice would you give now to the next generation of fighters? So the advice I would give is, one, make sure you've got a decent management team. Make sure, once you get to a certain level, have a decent management team. But make sure they're not just after one thing. Make sure they've got your back. Yeah. I've learned a lot from having the wrong managers, this and that and that. You know? And also, be yourself. Just be yourself. Don't pretend to be someone you're not in front of the camera or this or that you know be just be yourself and people because no matter what in this world and this fight game no matter what people even if you're the nicest guy in the world people will still hate you for being nice yeah so even if you was the villain people are going to hate you and people are going to love you so just be yourself because no matter what you be yourself people just love you for who you are not for what you pretend or perceive on camera or stuff, something like that, you know? Yeah. And also as well, just get in there and do your thing. Enjoy it. I've always found, this, this is another good bit of advice for fighters, I've always found when you step foot inside the ring, think of it as like a sparring session or something like that. Enjoy it. Enjoy the process. If you worry about it or, you know, if you let it get into your head, you will not fight very well. If you go in there with a smiling face and happy and loving your job and loving what you do, you will have the best performances ever. All of my best performances is come off the back of being happy and smiling walking into that cage or the ring. You know? Um, Don't take take outside influences in the ring with you. Just remember why you're doing it and what you love and and love what you do and, and things will just fucking shine, honestly. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm sure that ends, but that's good inspiration for many fighters going into the future and that. All right. Cheers, Mark. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on today. It's been absolutely brilliant, like getting to know all of that information that I didn't know beforehand. All right. Cheers. Thank yeah. you very much. I uh, hope, no ev- hope everyone enjoyed. I'll be back at the same time next week. <laughs>